Welcome to the See Me Now podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, here with my co-host, Caitlin Birdsall. And we are joined today by Colorado Mesa University Professor of Physics, Chad Middleton. And Chad, you are also the Assistant VP for Academic Affairs for Faculty Success. That's correct for about three weeks now. So Wow, that is a mouthful. Yes, it is. That must mean you're really important. Uh, It means I have a lot of words and written in my signature of my email. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for being here today. Um, I'm really excited because I know um, I am... Not, I love science, but my brain just goes to, you know, the humanities and I'm a writer. And so I am really excited to learn all about physics today. Well, great. Looking forward to doing what I can. So how long have you been a professor on campus? Yeah. So this is my 16th year here at CMU is Mason State College when I was originally hired and that was back in 2006. So See, you put out a lot of physics majors then out into the world with yeah, 16 years. Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, we have a pretty small program, so we only graduate on, on, on average about four to five majors per year. But yeah, so I've been here for, uh, for this is my fifth, 16th year now, so 15 completed years. So 15 times four or five about, that'd be about the number of majors we've had since they've graduated since I've gotten here. Correct. Do you have any success stories? Any like where where do you go if you're a physics major? Yeah, you know, that's that's a great question. That's actually one of the questions I think hinders us from getting more majors. So, you know, we're we're constantly looking for for new majors here at CMU and I think one of the questions that oftentimes enter students' mind is they think, okay, if I get a degree in physics, I got to go to graduate school to get a job. I know I was under that impression when I first started here and it turns out the data just shows that's just not right. Um, if you look at our unemployment rates for those who have uh, degrees in physics, bachelor degree standing alone, you see that actually unemployment rates quite low, uh, almost always lower than the, the national averages and whatnot. So, you know, if you get a degree in physics, you're, you're most likely not going to go out and find a job listing that says physicist, right? But you oftentimes, our, our majors are, are uh, highly successful getting other jobs that are, you know, in, in, the, in the area. So, you know, a physics degree, what that affords students is it affords them the, the uh, ability to think critically and analytically and how to problem solve. And these are skills that employers are looking for. So a lot of our majors go on and get jobs in engineering. Uh, some go into work in finance. Uh, anything really that involves problem solving or quantitative skills, our majors are actually sought after. So the unemployment rate, believe it or not, with just a bachelor's degree in physics is actually pretty good. So you can get a degree in physics in physics alone without an advanced degree and you'll be you'll be marketable. Great. So I'd like to know a little bit more about you. So you've been here at 16 or been here at CMU for 16 years now. So could you tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming a professor here? Uh, sure. So yeah, so you know, the campus looked a lot different when I first got here uh, 15 years plus now ago. This is my 16th year, like I said. Uh, you know, when I first got here, the, we, we were under the new, we had just gotten a new president for about a year or two at the time. And, uh, you know, they were talking a lot about a lot of growth that was going to happen on this campus. And, and, you know, I first heard it and I kind of thought, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And that first year, yeah, there were five new buildings going up on campus. So the campus has grown substantially. It, it is a dramatically different campus than when I got here. Um, and our program as well, things have grown as well. So, you know, when I first started on, we didn't have any of the engineering routes that we have now. And once that came on scene, that really uh, made the number of hours that we were teaching uh, students coming in the door exploded, really. I mean, there's a lot of uh, engineering majors have to pass through the uh, the curriculum. So um, we've seen a huge incre- increase in the number of students we've had. 
Um, you know, my career started like probably how most faculty members here. I came on as an assistant professor of physics, uh, you know, worked hard through the years. I uh, got involved with teaching, of course, as, as we all do. Um, gra- every year I take on some students that work with me for undergraduate research and things like that. You know, over the years, a lot of, although a lot of things have changed, a lot of things have really remained the same. So, you know, I, I think over the years I've just done my, my best to do a good job. And, uh, you know, I've been promoted from assistant to associate and then finally to full professor and gotten tenure along the way. Um, I don't know if that answers the question what you were looking for. but Yeah, uh, no, it does. And, and, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned that you've gotten or had the opportunity to work with students on a lot of undergraduate research. Absolutely. Did that play into your decision to come here to CMU, knowing you would have that type of experience rather than, you know, a larger university yep. that where you're not in the classroom and working with students, whereas here that's all about and at the core of what we do? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was an undergraduate, I went to an institution uh, named Eastern Illinois University. It's about three hours south of Chicago. And the campus was really quite similar to what CMU is today. So the student body at the time had a little over 10,000 students. It was a comprehensive, primarily undergraduate institution. So we did all have a, a, a handful of, uh, of advanced degrees that one could get, but it was primarily an undergraduate institution. Um, this place, Eastern Illinois University, it, w- it was perfect for me. I mean, it was, uh, you know, the students that went there were, uh, you know, not all your, your high flyers. It was, uh, you know, a, cro- a broad cross se- section of students. And uh, the, the professors that were there were there because they wanted to teach. So it was important to them to be at an institution where they were primarily teaching and being able to op- having the opportunity to be able to do research, but more at a relaxed pace. And that was one of the things that really attracted me to this position. Um, our primary job as a faculty member here at CMU is to teach. But with that being said, research is very important, as is undergraduate research. And the undergraduate research that we do as students is one of my favorite parts of my job. I really enjoy it. I get to take on one to two students per year. You get to know these students really well, work with them in a one-on-one scenario. And uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely one of my favorite things that I do here with this job. We serve a lot of first-generation students, and for those that don't know, first-generation students, it's they are the first in their family to graduate from college, mm-hmm. and you are a first-gen student I yourself. What is, it, what is it like working with students who you know, like, this is going to change their family trajectory yeah. by being here in this yeah. classroom? Yeah, thanks for the question. So, yeah, like you said, I, I am a first-generation student. Um, I, like so many of our students, uh, arrived to a college campus without having uh, parents that went through that trajectory. Um, I know what it's like to arrive on a campus and really have no idea what you're doing, not having, you know, a parent that had went through that path and be able to just tell you the little basic things, you know, so um, I can be very sympathetic and, and uh, I, I definitely know what it's like to, to be in that realm. Uh, you know, when I started off as an undergraduate walking on to, you know, I knew I was going to go to university. I knew I wanted to get a, a college education. But things like what do you major in when you're 18 years old and arrive to campus? That was something that I really hadn't thought a whole lot about before arriving. And like probably many of our students, I kind of bounced around from major to major before ultimately settling on physics. So I guess my, my thing I'd like to say is I, I, I understand what it's like to be a first generation student. I know what it's like to arrive on a campus and not know where you're going and kind of trying to figure things out. So what was it about physics that attracted you? Like you said, you bounced around, did a couple different majors. So when was the moment you were like, this is what I want to pursue and what I want to do with my professional life? Yeah, thanks for that question. So, you know, um, so when I was accepted to Eastern Illinois University, I came on as a business major and I had just kind of chosen that just because I thought a business major is something that you'd, you know, get a degree in and you could go out and get a good job and things like that. 
So I started off with a degree and I found out before too long that, you know, business just wasn't for me. It wasn't the path that I really wanted to do. And um, at the time, you know, I, I, I was pretty lost. I kind of just bounced around from, like I said, major to major. Um, I went from uh, business, then I went into dietetics briefly. I believe it was one semester I majored in dietetics. I then went on to physical education. I then went on to physical education with a teacher certification. Uh, by the end of my sophomore year, I was getting to the point where I realized I wasn't um, really content with that particular major and it wasn't what I wanted to do. Now, what I wanted to do, I didn't know, but I knew what I didn't want to do. So at that point in my life, I was, I was frankly pretty frustrated. I felt like I'd been in university for two years. I felt like I'd taken a bunch of classes. And of course, several of these would you know work for, for gen ed credits later on. But I'd been taking a lot of classes that uh, were not going to apply for a, a major that I haven't even figured out exactly what it was I wanted. So I spent that summer after my sophomore year kind of thinking about things differently than I had the first few years. I started thinking instead of, you know, what should I do to get a good job? I started thinking if I could do anything in the world, what would it be? You know, what, what, where, where are my, where are my interests? Where, where do they lie? So I started thinking about things differently. You know, I went and I went back to my, my high school in my mind and I, I knew I always really liked math. And I also knew I really liked science. And uh, one of the things that really fascinated me at the time, I loved uh, reading about cosmology and astronomy and black holes and all of these things. So, you know, that summer I, I started kind of feeling I wanted to go into something in the science realm, but I wasn't exactly sure what. And uh, kind of an astronomer was something that I was interested in. Then I also thought going into maybe something like anthropology and archaeology would also be fascinating as well. So I spent that summer just kind of re reading books, reading textbooks on uh, or reading books on, you know, what career paths people take in these two realms, these two different areas. And I was just bouncing back and forth all summer long between reading books on astronomy and reading books on, uh, on, on uh, archaeology and anthropology. And the institution that I went through, uh, went to didn't have an astronomy degree, but I, I remember reading the time I came across um, something saying that most astronomers go through the route of physics. Now, this was a major that my institution had, and I, I kind of just realized that that was what it was, that was right for me. I mean, it had, it had a plenty of math, it dealt with these topics I found very fascinating. So near the end of the summer, I called the department head at my institution, told her I wanted to major in physics, asked what I needed to do to do that, and that's where the journey began. I kind of just picked it out of the blue, to be honest, after some reading over the summer, and I've never, never regretted that choice ever since. I love that. I want to talk about Einstein for a okay. second. Okay. So I'm I'm thinking, you know, there there are a few people, um, historical figures that have really changed how we view our world. And what does that look like in your classroom? How you know, I think for a lot of people, it's like, yeah, Einstein. You know, we we, we can get to like some of these really important pieces that he's he's done and he's figured out. You know, we have uh, general relativity, uh, for example. And how is this a, is this an interesting piece of your class where you go and you learn about these these people who changed our, our life? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, in physics, we, we don't spend a whole lot of time necessarily studying the scientists so much. We more study the work that has been done by them. And Albert Einstein, again, is incredibly popular. He's one of the scientists that, you know, anyone on the street would know who they are. But it turns out he actually did do quite a bit of relevant work in physics. And the work that he did was important. Um, he, you mentioned general relativity. It turns out that's one of my areas of expertise that he worked in. Um, so yeah, I guess to answer your questions, uh, I don't directly reference Einstein maybe too often, but his work is incredibly important. And for me in my own particular area of, of research and interest in special and general relativity his the work that he did was incredibly important. 
So we've been talking about physics. That's your field of study. And maybe mm-hmm. we should have started here, but I know I am not somebody who's up to speed on all things physics. And I thought maybe for our listeners, we could break it down. When you think about physics and when you're teaching physics, what's kind of the basic elements of what physics is? And, you know, if you're talking to a fifth grader, how would you explain it? Because I think sometimes people think physics is this you know, really high discipline that is hard to understand. It's complicated. So I thought maybe we could spend a little time breaking it down for people. Yeah, sure. So, you know, what I like to tell my intro classes is out of the sciences that are out there, physics is actually the easiest of the lot. And uh, when I say that, I mean, I'll oftentimes get some uh, maybe curious looks from my students, but, but it really is. I mean, when you study, you know, subjects like biology and chemistry and things like that, there's so much going on. It's really, they're really quite complicated sciences. Well, I think one of the things that really attracts me to physics is in, in its essence, it really is just a really simple description of the basic laws of the universe. So whereas in biology, you may have, you know, all this complicated, you know, things that are going on and all these things to remember and whatnot. In physics, there's really a few key ideas or, or laws. And these basic laws really dictate everything that goes on in the physical universe. So what I would say is uh, if you want to know the, the basic essence of physics is it is a science that goes through the scientific method and it is really nothing more than a, a few basic rules that kind of dictate everything. And when you look at it from that lens, uh, I think physics really is a, really quite a simple a science. And that's one of the things that attracts me to it. It's not something where I have to memorize uh, 200 different uh, words and what their meanings are, but there's maybe three key laws, for example, maybe Newton's three laws that you'd study in a class. And that's really everything there is to it. I like that, making it feel more approachable. It is. It is approachable. I mean, with that being said, there's so a lot of sophistication. And if you look at, the, uh, say, Newton's three laws, I mean, these are three laws, very simple mathematical statements that tell uh, the rules that the universe uh, um, obeys. And these laws and really, truly understanding them uh, takes years. But it really is just a few basic ideas that one can use to really figure out most of everything. I read an article recently and it, I can't remember the title or where I read it, but it was all about introducing humanities back into the sciences. And so I'm wondering if you have a perspective on that. Do you think, you know, are, are these two worlds, do they, do they belong together? Is it good that they're separate and people can focus on one or the other or? Hmm. Boy, uh, good question. Curveball, I know. <laughs> yeah, which I was not expecting, which is okay. Um, so the question is, humanity, sciences, two different areas. Do they belong separate? Do they belong together? Is that the basic idea? Yeah, or are, are we, are, you know, do you think that we're, uh, as a society, pushing out, you know, the, these thinkers and these scientists, but they're missing that that humanities piece? Yeah, okay. Um, well, let me a- answer your question maybe in a slightly different way which you pose it. So the, when, I, when I hear you saying this, I hear you say, you know, is the human, are the humanities important for, say, a physicist and maybe vice versa? And I would argue they are. Um, you know, one of the great things about CMU and an institution like this is it is a place where one comes to get a liberal arts education. So you take on a certain major, you major in whatever that topic is. You need 120 credit hours to graduate with a degree in that area. However, a place like CMU, uh, 31 of those credit hours that you're going to take are going approximately are going to be from the general edu- education uh curriculum. So one quarter of your total credit hours are going to be from areas outside of your your areas of expertise. Now, you know, going through the degree myself, uh, you know, I took a lot of classes in physics and mathematics and things like that. But there were these other classes that I took as well that were in the humanities. 
And I got to be honest with you. I mean, some of these classes that I took in the humanities in these different areas, they shaped my life profoundly. I mean, I, I believe I am who I am today with the input from a lot of these classes, you know. So I think the benefit of having an education that's not purely just one of te- technical or one that's just not in your area is you do become more of a well-rounded individual. And I think that's incredibly important for anyone in society today is be able to have, you know, have some some skills that maybe lie in your in your major, but then also have some education that lies beyond that. I know that doesn't exactly answer your question, but I I do think that, um, you know, a physicist needs to be able to have skills to be able to read and write and communicate and, you know, have an understanding for the arts and an appreciation for music and all the other things that that are out there that hopefully the uh, general education uh, that you receive at a place like CMU gives you. So going back to physics, well, we've been chatting about physics for a little while, but what do you think is something that would surprise people about physics? So, you know, you're in it day in and day out and have been for years now, but somebody like myself who is not, what do you think is something that would surprise people about physics? Okay. Um, In addressing this question, maybe I could take it back to my area of expertise or my research area in general relativity and then connect that to it every day. Um, uh, uh, things. So like I mentioned earlier, or what it was mentioned earlier, uh, my area of expertise, if you will, or the area that I, I I've studied in and, and have done research in is an, an Albert Einstein's theory of general relativity. Now, if I could have a, maybe a minute or so just to briefly discuss the basic ideas behind general relativity, the concepts are pretty easy. So Einstein's theory of general relativity is a description of gravity. But it's a description of gravity different than that of what came before him, Isaac Newton. So uh, in the mid-1600s, Isaac Newton came along and was the first to kind of understand gravity, if you will. And that understanding was that one massive object gives rise to a force on another massive object. And that force depends on the masses of the two objects and the distance between the two and things like that. This way of thinking uh, reigned supreme for almost 250 years until Albert Einstein came along in the early 1900s. And what he showed us was that uh, Isaac Newton's uh, theory of gravity was, it turns out to be an approximation to a more fundamental underlying theory of gravity. And that theory of gravity is general relativity. The basic idea of general relativity is this. You could think through analogy. Imagine I were so in, in a nutshell, general relativity is a description of gravity through the curvature of space and time due to the presence of matter and energy. That's one uh, 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 one sentence that is a mouthful, right? But the basic <laughs> idea is this. Imagine I were to take a, a spandex fabric and pull it taut across the room. That spandex fabric is going to represent the space in which we live. So this would be a two-dimensional surface where I could then, say, roll marbles across that surface. Now, notice that surface is flat as it's been pulled taut across the room. And if I roll a marble across that surface, notice the marble is going to move in a straight line at a constant speed in line with Newton's first law, right? But now let's imagine I repeat the experiment, but this time I throw a bowling ball on that surface first. What's going to happen? When I throw that big, massive bowling ball on that flat two-dimensional spandex fabric, what's going to happen is that massive object is going to cause that spandex fabric to warp or to curve. So now if I repeat the experiment and take a marble and say, roll it across the fabric again, well, notice when these marbles are really far from that central object, that surface in which they live or reside on is flat, so they'll move in a straight line at a constant speed. But what's going to happen to the marble when it starts to approach the, the central object? What's going to happen is the surface in which it's living on or residing is going to become warped. And the reason why it becomes warped is due to the presence of that massive object. 
If I roll this marble at just the right speed and with just the right initial direction, notice I could get this marble to actually orbit about that central object. So what uh, Isaac Newton would have one time said that the marble is feeling a force due to that central object, but Einstein came along and showed us, no, that's not really what's going on. The reason why the marble moves the way in which it does is because the space in which it lives is actually warped or curved. So that marble is moving in a straight line on a curved surface, and that is how we understand gravity today. Now, when we talk about this, this sounds like this uh, really abstract thing, which it is, and it's all purely mathematical and things like that. But what you may be surprised, and this comes back to answering your question from the beginning, is that the function of GPS, which we use every single day, could not give an accurate description without the inclusion of general relativity. It is absolutely critical to include the effects of Einstein's theory of general relativity in that. If we didn't do so, we would not have the right times or the right locations by using GPS. So that's kind of this maybe esoteric idea that's out there that actually has real life applications that we use every single day of our life. I love that. I love that connection because I use GPS all the time. You know, it's funny when I'm talking to my mom, she's always like, you know, 144th and Wadsworth. I'm like, mom, I use GPS. I don't know where that is. But, you know, I use it all the time and yeah, I'm not sure. thinking about the physics principles behind it. Are there any other examples that would be relatable like that where people are like, oh, I had no idea that physics principles were a part of that in my day to day life? Sure. I'm sure there's I mean, lots. They're everywhere. I mean, you know, the, the more training you get as a physicist, the more you see it. You know, when you when I go to get a drink out of a water fountain, I now see the path taken by that uh, water is knowing that it follows the trajectory of a parabola. Why does it do so? It do, does so due to the force of gravity. I mean, there, there's things like that all over the place. If you look out on a day where um, there's a rainbow and maybe there's a double rainbow, trying to understand the location of where that rainbow is, the ordering of the colors. Why is there a second? Why is the second in the location where it is. Why is the second rainbow got its orders flipped, which you may not even have realized, and it's true. All of this could be understood from basic physics. So they're everywhere. I mean, the, the more examples you have, the more training you have as a physicist, you can't help but see it everywhere in the universe when you walk around. Now you're making me feel jealous. Like I should have been a physicist and I would understand the world around me so much better. Well, there's still time. You know, we offer <laughs> classes every single day of the week. So you're always welcome to any of my classes, Kelsey. If you ever want to stop by and take on one, feel free to do so. Of course, I I'm going to take you up on busy. that. You're going to be like, get out of here. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Great. Well, I, I I thought maybe we could switch gears just real quick. Um, talk about your new role because, sure. I mean, VP for academic affairs for the faculty success realm is um, probably some people are listening and saying, what is that? And how do you have the time to do that? And why why were you interested in it? Yeah, great question. So I, I want to correct you. It's not VP. It's assistant VP or as my kids like to say, assistant to the vice president. If you're an office fan, you know what <laughs> I was I'm like, do they watch about. the office? I love that. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so this job became available this past summer. Uh, it used to be, so there was this assistant vice president for academic affairs for faculty and student success. And uh, Dr. Parna Palmer had this position before she left. And what academic affairs did upon her leaving is they, they took this one position that was a full-time position in academic affairs and they split into two. So now it, it, there's this faculty success piece and there's a student success piece. And... The reason why I was attracted to it, or one of the reasons is, is so um, it's basically a half position. So by me taking on this additional role now in academic affairs, I still get to teach and do research for my undergraduate students, which I absolutely love. It's, I, I, I can't say enough how much I enjoy being in the classroom. And I also can't say how much I, enjoy, I can't say enough how much I enjoy working with students undergraduate research. So I still get that opportunity, but now that is at a halftime load. 
So instead of teaching 12 hours per semester, which is a full-time load here at CMU, I'm now teaching six hours, at, uh, which is a half-time load. And then the other half of my job falls in this realm of Assistant Vice President for Academic Affairs for Faculty Success. So what this new role is allowing me the opportunity to do is on a half-time basis, take on things that are important for faculty success. So things like the faculty colloquium or the faculty professional development fund award, I get to oversee that, or I get to also oversee uh, the, the student showcase, which is going to be happening in, in April of next year. So I'm taking on all these additional roles. So what I really like about it, again, I didn't have to give up that realm, the part of teaching that I love so much, but I get to take on this other new challenge as well. So it, it, it's one of these things that came up at a, a good time in my life where I was ready for that change, uh, both on a personal level Level. I, uh, my youngest was then now heading off to middle school. So now, uh, you know, things have changed slightly in my personal life. It just seemed like the right time to take on something like this. And so far, it's been great. I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. Uh, it's a new challenge. And uh, yeah, I still get to get in the classroom and, uh, and give my students a hard time each and every day of the week, which is I always enjoy as well. So. Well, congratulations. Both of those jobs are, are very important. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, we're, we're happy that you're, the, you're doing it. You're doing it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, I think that's all the questions we have today. Is there anything where, that you're just burning up? You're like, I got to tell the world about this. Um, so if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're searching for a major, maybe you're a first gen student that isn't exactly sure, you know, what path you want to do. You may want to think about physics. Um, you know, we have a, a great program here with great faculty members. The opportunities that one has in the physics program really are profound. Um, one thing I'm always really proud about our program is Every single student that passes through our degree, every single one of them, was guaranteed to have one year of doing undergraduate research with a faculty advisor of their choosing, which I think is one of the highlights of our program. So I guess I'd say uh, for any interested students out there, look me up, get a hold of me, and I'll talk to you and convince you why you should be a physics major as well. I want a quick shout out. You, you've uh, published some papers with students in the past. I have. So, I mean, that's impressive. I can't say I, I've published a, a research paper. Yeah, I do. actually, I just looked at the numbers the other day. Over the last 10 years or so, uh, it turns out 19% of our physics majors have published a paper, peer-reviewed journal, in an art, in a, a, a paper in a peer-reviewed journal excuse me, journal with a faculty member here at CMU. So we do take the undergraduate research opportunity very serious. Uh, I know each and every one of us, when we get a student, uh, we dedicate a lot of time to those students and we, we're doing real projects. I mean, at the end of the year, it is amazing the kind of stuff that the students will, will pump out. And I've been, a, I've been very happy to be a part of that. Well, thanks, Chad. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. This is the See Me Now podcast. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts.